Welcome in. Happy Soccer Podcast Day to you. I am Bone. And I am a much more informed beam. <laughs> well, if you listen to our Western Conference preview of Major League Soccer for 2020, that's what Beam is referencing, where uh, that, that wasn't your forte. You're not a big uh, Western Conference MLS watcher. I am not. Now, Eastern Conference, you know every player. You know the 18, you know the 23-man roster. I know the academies. You follow the academies. Oh, yeah. You're all in on it. So this is all going to be you, and I'm just going to sit back and uh, do nothing. That's fine. Let's do it. It'll be about a four-minute podcast. <laughs> It'll be good. I know yeah. significantly more about the East than I do the West. Well, there you go. And, and by significantly, is... I mean I know about 12 more players. Here's what I know. You were partially responsible for getting – one of the coaches that I was rooting for last year, big time, yeah. fired. Mm -hmm. And uh, in fact, getting him replaced, you didn't have anything to do with getting him replaced. You just helped get him fired because you screamed at him and shamed him into being terrible. But then his replacement is someone who I have hated for years. And we will talk about that further on in the uh, proceedings. Now, yesterday, or on the Western Conference preview, which we did record yesterday, for whenever you're listening to this, it was the day before you're listening to it. Um, yes. I... <laughs> I had five quick thoughts on the Western Conference. I don't have five quick thoughts on the Eastern Conference. I have like two or maybe three. But I will give them to you in quick succession. Then, Beamer, you tell me which teams you want to talk about. And okay. We'll go from there. Uh, so the first thought I have is big changes in the Eastern Conference. Like the teams you are aware of as being really good in the East would be New York City FC, uh, Atlanta clearly, New York, New York Red Bulls have been really good. I'm not convinced at uh, Toronto. I can't believe I forgot them. They actually made it to MLS Cup. I don't think it's going to be quite the same formula this year. I think there's going to be some very different teams that you're going to see in very high places. All right. Which means, that leads me to my second point, I think it's going to be a very wide open East. So if you are a team that has been previously labeled as bad or a long way away, I don't think it's necessarily that you couldn't do something and make some noise in the East this year. So I think that is something that's encouraging as well. I really struggle with which of these two conferences is the better conference in Major League Soccer because I see a lot of things out West that, I mean, for example, I think the West has the best teams at the very top. I do think there's more depth to the East. So I guess that'd be my third thought is the East is a little more complete. I think all the teams in the East are going to beat up on each other a little bit more than what you're going to see out West. I think you're going to see in the West – three or four teams rise clearly above the rest in the East. I could see one, maybe two teams doing that, but everybody else I think is going to be pretty tightly grouped for most of the uh, proceedings. This so year. you're saying that the East is basically just going to be a hodgepodge yeah, minus it's, it's one or two be, teams, right? I don't think anybody's going to run away with it and hide other than, like I said, one or two teams, which we'll talk about, but I, I still think it's going to be a very much a competitive division. I think, so whichever way you look at that as being better, is it better to have more competition or is it better to have like the four or three dominant teams? Sure. That's up to you, I guess. Everyone can weigh that their own way. But I think the East is more that you could see. You could see 10 different teams 
be in the playoffs instead of like you have seven teams that will make it, but there's probably 10 or 11 that are really going to have a solid chance of making the playoffs late into August. So that's where I am. It's exciting. Yeah, I think so. It's going to be a fun uh, season to talk about. So we can go ahead and get to it whenever you want. All right, Bone, the new team in the East that comes in, David Beckham's squad in a radioactive training ground, Inter-Miami CF. That's right. No more Miami Fusion. No. This is Inter-Miami. I will refuse. I will never call them Miami Fusion, even though I really desperately want to call them Miami Fusion. I will say about them, their logo is fantastic. Like their oh, logo great. and their colorway, I think, is top notch. It's one of the best. I, I, I agree with you on that. I think that the all that is very good, and I'm making fun of Inter-Miami or Fort Lauderdale Fusion, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. But, I, but here's the reality. They use their rep that David Beckham is their guy. They bring that star power. There's a lot of allure to just the city of Miami. So initially, what kind of sucks for them is everyone thought they're going to get all – name your guy, right? From Falcao to sure. just where Messi's Cavani. name – Right, everybody's yeah. name is getting thrown out there like, you never know. Neymar doesn't do anything to help them with saying, yeah, I already have a contract. When I'm done here, I'll just go play for David Beckham. Like, Well, yes, Neymar, but you're also you're playing very for young. PSG and <laughs> the best teams in the world right yeah, you've still got a long time before you're going to be on MLS's radar. I hate to say it, unless MLS drastically changes something. Sure. So anyway, so they kind of get doomed by their own hype where then they make a couple of DP signings and they weren't, they're good. They're not quite to the level that maybe some people initially thought. I think that was just unrealistic expectations, but I don't, I don't think it's unrealistic to think inter Miami could be actually pretty good this year. Okay. Diego Alonso is their manager. He has won the CONCACAF champions league with two different Liga MX clubs. So that's good. Speaking of Liga MX, they signed one of the best players in that league, Rodolfo Pizarro, mm -hmm. who's going to be their creative force in the midfield. So that's good. The other DP they got was Matthias Pellegrini. And this is why I say it didn't quite bring the hype that I think some people were looking for. He's a 19-year-old Argentine who has played in Copa Libertadores. So it's not like he has been playing for scrub teams. Yeah. Um, so he was their first DP. But again, that's not a name on a jersey that people are going to go, oh, I know who you're talking about. So by and large in this country. So they went a little bit more of the Atlanta model where they brought in a player who had been proven in another league. And that works. And they brought in a young player who is going to probably, if he develops the way they hope he will, he's probably not going to stay there for his whole career. He's They're hoping to sell him and make money off of uh, that player, Matias Pellegrini, and then you go from there. So it's an interesting kind of mix because they also have Roman Torres, who just won an MLS Cup with Seattle. He's an anchor on the back line. They've got MLS names you'll recognize. Larissa Robles in goal. A.J. De La Garza, Ben Sweat, Lee Nguyen, Juan Agudelo. These are all guys who have been in the league for a while. So they do have some veteran MLS guys who should help them make the transition. So player to watch for me. I know who that's going to be. It's going to be Will Trapp. Yep. And, and if you're not familiar with this podcast, we're based out of Ohio. Uh, we're actually going to, I think, talk a little Columbus and FC Cincinnati at the very end of this. We'll do all the other teams and we'll save those two for last. But um, Will Trapp's the guy that I think is kind of interesting to watch because he could either just have a solid MLS career the rest of his way and be very good like he has been with Columbus, or maybe he goes to Inter-Miami and is kind of the the catalyst, a little bit of a different player. Maybe he finds some rebirth, some rejuvenation there, and it leads him to get the shot to Europe that he's always wanted. I sure. don't know, but I think that's just a, it's a guy to keep an eye on in this league for this year, and I'm I'm interested to see what he does. Dream scenario for them. They get some big-name DP in the summer. The MLS guys they have hold it down. 
and they make a playoff run. Big name could, DP guy. Yeah, maybe they. I don't know who sure. big name DP guy is, but maybe they find someone in the summer transfer window. That's usually where you would expect that to happen more so in the winter transfer window. Um, but I could see them eventually getting to the Atlanta United path very quickly. Uh, Paul Donny, Paul McDonough is the guy who put together Atlanta United or one of the architects of that team. He now is the sporting director for Inter Miami, so that's where he's you know from, and hopefully for them, that's what they want to see. They're probably going to take a little while to get going, but I wouldn't be surprised if this team makes the playoffs. I actually think it is very possible. Orlando City, Bone, we know that the crew have kind of had some spats with them in the past, with their fans. Of course, a match got canceled this spring with them yes. because of a preseason training match. The grounds weren't uh, up to standards. So Orlando City, what are they What are they planning um, on? It's been five years since they joined MLS and they haven't made the playoffs. I mean, they're they're ready. That, not that the team is ready, but the fans are dying to see it. Sure. So they bring in Oscar Perea, who is a, you know, MLS coach who has done this in Colorado. He's done it in Dallas. He takes over a team and he gets them to play very quickly, better than they had. Uh, they brought in Nani last season. He wasn't great. My was, guy. I know your guy, former Manchester United great, but he was very inconsistent for them. Uh, they have guys like Dom Dwyer, who was a DP, who just was also very inconsistent. Um, the player to watch for them is Mauricio Pereira who is a Uruguayan central attacking mid who's joined late last season, spent a good amount of his time in Russia, actually. But if Pereira can get this going and get their attack moving, maybe they get a little more consistency. Nani and Dwyer, the dream scenario is that those guys rediscover themselves, play like they're capable of. Suddenly the goals come in and they overcome some of the other deficiencies they have in the roster. But that defense is not good. And I think that's the realistic thing to look at here. I don't think the, the amount of goals is going to be kind of irrelevant. If their defense doesn't get going, they're not going to be any good. So I think it's going to be tough to see them in the playoffs. All right, Bone, one of the one of the guys who I'm excited about coming over to MLS, Thierry Henry and the Montreal impact on the Eastern Conference. Yes. What about Montreal? What is he going to be as a manager? Because when he, he was, was, in, Monaco, when he was in Monaco, it was not good. 4-5-11 and 11 was his record there. Um, they're also looking to replace Ignacio Piatti, Nacho Piatti, in 135 appearances Your for guy. Montreal. I love Nacho, man. He had 66 goals and 35 assists. Damn. So that's who you got to replace. Really good. That to me is, I mean, that's about the whole story for them. Can they get a defense as well that gave up 60 goals last season to not be as bad as it was without really replacing any of the major players involved? Because they they really haven't done a lot this offseason. But I want to give you a guy to watch for this team, now that Piotti's gone, Bojan, you remember him? Of course, he was supposed to be the next Messi at Barcelona. Yes, and he, in fact, played with Thierry Henry at Barcelona. How crazy is that? That's how long ago that then was. Then I believe, what, he went to Ajax on a he loan went, from he, Barcelona, he went, and then he spent some time in the Premier League with Stoke, the he Potters. Was, yes, he was also with, uh, he was in Italy for a time, too. Never really worked out there. Everywhere he's gone, there's been huge expectations and minimal delivery on his part for a variety of reasons. But here's the reality. He's 29 years old. He, that's old by European sure. phenom standards. Sure. It's not old by could you still make an impact, no pun intended, for Montreal this year. So now he's going to have a little bit more freedom to be whatever he can be, whatever's left. And there has been some 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 glimpses of brilliance with him. He needs to put it together for a whole season. But if he can do that, they've got a guy in Orji Okwanko who, if you saw their Champions League game, he put in a nice goal. He was there, I think, team MVP last year. Very good player. Thierry Henry, maybe he gets everyone organized, gets everyone focused, and suddenly they pay above their means a bit. But I still think it's a bit of a build for them. I think they start 
maybe they find some pieces this year, and then next year is where make a couple additions. Thierry Henry now can help you lure in a guy or two you otherwise might have trouble bringing in. And then suddenly he the identity of your team is Thierry Henry and the way he plays and or the way he played gets people to want to play there. But I don't think it's this year that they're be- that good. I'm excited to watch Thierry Henry manage. I, I know that you know he, sure. he, he didn't have a good go at Monaco, but I mean, he's one of the greatest players to ever to ever play and kick a ball well, around. I mean, I mean that's I mean, the thing with with I I don't understand. Like number one, he played in MLS, so if you got to watch him yeah, there, he's I mean, familiar he his, with it. Yeah, he knows the league, and I I do think there's something to be said for if you're looking at buying a ticket to go to an MLS game and you're trying to figure out which one to go to. Well, why don't you see if Montreal's coming to town? Sure, and go watch that game because depending on where you get your seats, you might be 20 feet from Thierry Henry. For 90 minutes. You can try and get Thierry Henry fired like I did Brad Friedel. <laughs> That's right. Do that. Yes. But you could also hear him yelling instructions to his team. Yeah. Yelling at them to like, hey, do this, do that. I think that's, to me, that's just cool. That's, I don't know how you really can get that experience many other places. Even if you were in Europe, you're sitting nowhere close to the field. Right. You're not able to interact with these guys. I, I don't know. I just, I think... I would want you to go watch for your own team's sake. Sure. But if that doesn't draw you in, seeing a guy you grew up playing FIFA with or like watching on TV, why wouldn't you want to go see that guy? A mainstay for one of the Columbus Crew's rivals, Bone. We know they have a beautiful newly designed logo, the Chicago Fire. Oh, it's so good. It is gorgeous. Um, Let me tell you. The Chicago Fire's motto this year is probably better late than never, right? Because they were in Soldier Field to start their time in Chicago then they built a stadium out in Bridgeview because mm-hmm. you might remember this genius commissioner who goes by the name. Oh, Don Garber, yes. the MLS mm-hmm. commissioner. He was the one telling teams, guys, you got to be out in the suburbs. That's where Susie's oh, soccer mom lives. Oh. Put your team out there. That's where you got to be. Mm, that sounds and, familiar. And then everything Except became. the opposite. <laughs> Everything became, no one wants to drive out there. Uh, build a stadium back inside the city limits. Get as, get as close to the downtown as you can. So they said, well, we do have Soldier Field. Let's see if we can go back to that. They have. The grass there, by the way, sucks. Yeah. Well, it's, sucky, it's run by the local sucky parks soccer department, right? Grass. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, and kicking in Soldier Field, by the way, not easy. No. no. <laughs> do you know anything about that as a Bears fan? Do no. kickers have trouble? <laughs> no, I, have no. I don't think the Bears <laughs> have ever missed a kick in that building. <laughs> So I said better late than never because also Chicago, like new ownership, new everything, new logo, new everything. They just introduced Gaston Jimenez, who's an Argentine playmaker, who's their third DP signing this offseason. That's good. They just introduced him four days before the season starts. So I don't know how that's going to work out. But eventually when he gets going with the team, that should be good. Robert Barich is their uh, Slovenian forward that they brought in. Okay. And a 19-year-old Argentine prospect named Ignacio Aliceta. Those are their three DPs, so now clearly they're not afraid of spending money in Chicago, which is good. Player to watch for me, though, is Alvaro Madron, who's a 25-year-old Real Madrid Academy product who never quite panned out. He had five appearances for the senior team in Madrid, but... That doesn't sound great. Consider, though, that the guys he replaced were Luka Modric and oh, Gareth Bale. Okay. <laughs> so it's like, all right. Easy, right? So so what is he going to be? I don't know. He was loaned out to various La Liga clubs like Valencia, Rayo Vicano. Uh, I always forgot to say this name. Getafe? Getafe. Getafe. Yeah. All right. Rayo Vallecano and Getafe. There you go. So he that could, too. Doesn't he, matter. Yeah. Well, hey, it's I don't know as not, as much as I should about some of the European team names, so there you go. I appreciate you helping out. 
but he could be a spectacular Tam player for them mm-hmm. and a nice compliment to the DPs they've amassed. I love Tam. You love Tam. Yes. Uh, the resumes add up. That would be the dream scenario for them if these new pieces can gel quickly. Maybe the Fire keep adding pieces throughout the summer and get to a playoff berth. I do think, though, they'll be better than some are thinking, and uh, I actually think the reality for them is they could be a borderline playoff team, hanging around right to the last minute. All right, Bone, now we move on to the New England Revs, a man who I got helped fired last year, and Brad Friedel, he is no longer there. I sat about eight rows up from him when they visited Mafre Stadium here mm. in Columbus and was yelling at him the entire time. So New England this season, what are they about? Um, well, first of all, I wish I would have got video of you screaming, yelling, because it was quite the show, and uh, you did get him fired or you helped get him fired, but that is why I hate this team. I don't really hate the team. I hate their coach. The smugness of Bruce Arena is what you helped to bring in. The smudgeness. Yeah, and the smudgeness, that too. Uh, I don't like him. I've never really enjoyed him. I acknowledge he's a great coach, at least when it comes to MLS. Jermaine Jones, not as big of a fan. Did you see his comments? Of course I did. I like Jermaine Jones. Thanks for being honest, man. Jermaine Jones is, uh, well, he's an interesting guy. He's quite a crazy dude, but... Yeah, he, if you missed that, he said basically, That's I come w- in here and Bruce Arena's the best coach America's got. With all due respect, he's, he's a terrible coach. Respect. It's like, hey, man, if you say it with all he's- due respect, you can't can't make anyone mad. That Sports Illustrated article, he was just, with all due respect, this guy's trash. With all due respect, that guy can never play. I don't know how mm-hmm. he got on the team. Um, so anyway, yes, uh, Bruce Arena, my dislike of him, by the way, goes back to when he was D.C.'s manager way back in the day. They came to Ohio Stadium and they had, you know, like halftime stuff, and they just had goofy little things going on in the stadium. And someone asked him afterwards, like, hey, what do you think of Columbus as a soccer town? First time ever being here, or one of the first times yeah. anyway. And he said, yeah, I guess it's good for middle America. I guess it's the circus atmosphere. Thanks a lot, you pompous yeah. ass. so I've never liked him. So you go to hell, Bruce Arena. That's what I've got to say. Thanks for missing the World Cup, too, pal. Yeah. How'd that go in 2018, 2017, whatever, all the above. Doesn't matter. Um, But that said, Bruce Arena does have a track record in MLS that is second to none. Took over last year for Brad Friedel, as you mentioned, and instantly helped his team to get to a playoff berth. They were also helped by the likes of Carlos Heal, who was the MLS newcomer of the year, and Gustavo Bo, who scored nine goals and 14 appearances. So they're expecting those guys to continue to be just as good they did lose Jaleel Anibaba, who was selected by Nashville in the expansion draft. That is some defensive cover that they, I believe, will miss. Player for them to watch is Adam Buska, or Buxa, I'm sorry. Polish striker who is 23 years old. He was pretty good in the Polish league. Had 22 goals, 52 games. You could add him into that attacking core, and that seems like a pretty dynamic, what, front four or five of scoring that they should have, which is, I think, what you're asking for in MLS, especially in this East. If you put in goals... You should be able to do a lot with a, you know, conference or a, yeah, a conference that is pretty wide open as far as who's going to be able to win it. There's not like a lockdown couple teams. So yeah, I do think this could bode well for them. The dream scenario is that if they can get some grit in the defensive midfield, scoring continues the way it has. Bruce Arena can be rude and casually insult people and damn with frank praise as his team gets to a playoff run and maybe this time they actually have even better results than they had last year and make some kind of dark horse cup run. But the realistic scenario is they're probably going to get in the playoffs despite giving up some goals. And then from there, it's probably going to be tough to beat the elites of the East. But, uh, yeah, I like New England this year. They're going to be a good team. All right, Bone, we'll keep it on the East Coast. The New York Red Bulls, what are we looking at this season? Now, this is one of the reasons why I say that this 
conference is so wide open. Because if you're looking for a team that could easily be on the outside of the playoffs looking in, from last year's playoff picture, the Red Bulls are it. So I said earlier, Luis Robles, their legendary goalkeeper, he's in Miami now. Bradley Wright Phillips, who we didn't even talk about in our Western Conference preview, but he also is with LAFC. That's how much firepower they have that he's not even really – I mean, he's going to play. He'll have moments, but they're not relying on him heavily. And then Kamar Lawrence went to Anderlecht. So that's three really good big-time pieces of what you've had now all gone, and they really haven't adequately replaced them. I know they've got a lot of reinforcements that come up from their USL team. They're hoping for some of that to continue. Aaron Long at uh, center back is one of the best in the league. Kaku in the middle of the park when he's not kicking balls at people's faces is, you know, an okay player. Mm-hmm. Christian Caceres, a lot of people think he could take another step this year. I certainly do. But they are a little weak at outside back. They're weak on the wings. Those are areas Chris Armas is going to have to address. Middle of the field, though, they should still be pretty good. Um, the player to watch for me is Daniel Royer. He was a left winger who's been pretty good for them, 10 to 12 goals a year. But he's going to need to step up and take another step and be more in that 15 to 20 goal category, I believe, for them to still be a playoff team. The dream scenario would be that Kaku really turns it on and becomes great. Daniel Royer steps up. Other guys step up, too. And they see enough promise from the first half of the season. Maybe they go out and add some talent in the summer to bolster their roster. But to me, this feels like a rebuild or at least the start of it. I think this is going to be a rough year for them. I think they are going to miss the playoffs. And then I think they kind of start dismantling and retooling throughout the season to maybe by the end of the year, they're dangerous, but they're out of playoff position. I think they're going to have a rough first half of the year. All right, Bone, a team that should be pretty good on paper now. Yeah. Another Columbus crew rival, D.C. United. We know, of course, losing Wayne Rooney, their guy for the last couple of years. They're without him. So D.C. United this year. Yeah. Another guy they lost too is Luciano Acosta, which really they, good. Yeah. And, and it's weird because if you remember last winter transfer window he was or maybe that was the summer I'm blanking I think it was winter transfer window last year he was all but set to go to PSG like on the plane there were reports that he was like getting a physical like all this stuff and then it turned out the deal fell through he came back to DC and last year wasn't quite the same of a player as he had been in years past now he's in Liga MX meanwhile DC did what a lot of teams have done this offseason they went to Liga MX Liga MX and they brought in Peruvian winger and a attacking player in Edison Flores from Morelia. So that's a big bring in for them. They also brought in Julian Gressel from Atlanta. Julian Gressel's been one of the more underrated outside, you know, wingers in the league. That yeah. I really love this move for DC United. They play him at right back. They can play him on the wing, but he is going to provide excellent service. And Ben Olsen is a guy who, as a former player, now as a manager for DC United, he's been there 10 years, which in MLS circles is pretty unheard of. Um, but 10 years of Ben Olsen, what he has shown that he prefers, the teams that his, that usually do well, are teams that have a bunch of guys who are just hard workers who will go get the ball. They don't necessarily have the spectacular, you know, every guy is just lighting you up 1v1 they're more guys who just with their tenacity win the ball back. And even Wayne Rooney, you know, that's a player he's been. And that's kind of the player. One of his best plays last year was sure. where he tracked down a ball that looked like it was all but gone, won it back and booted it up the field. And they got a late game equalizer or winner. I forget which way it went. But yeah, it was, it's one of the best plays you'll see Yeah, right. in, the, in the entire world. This is what Ben Olsen's MO is for that team. So Bill Hamid's back in the net. He's a good MLS starting goalkeeper. Maybe you could argue one of the better ones. Um, they're starting 11 better than 75% of the league. So I think that's a, a pretty good team. 
Now, a player to watch for them is Ola Kamara, who they brought in late last year. He's got the firepower around him. He's, in the last three seasons of MLS play, despite bouncing around some different teams, he's been over like 15 goals. He could easily be a 20-goal scorer for you. And if he takes that step, then I think that's a real good replacement for Wayne Rooney. But I more like specifically, Ola Kamara. Yeah, Ola Kamara could be your guy at the top of that formation who can just get you goals while everybody else does all the hard work. So... Um, not that Hiki doesn't do the hard work too, but I mean, I'm just saying you don't need everyone to do it if you got somebody who can score 20 goals. So I think the dream scenario for them is the back line comes together and plays better than what they look like they're going to be on paper. The offense seems like it's going to be fine, and they could be one of the three best teams in the East. But that dream scenario, I do think they have to have career years for a few of their contributors who are, you know, usually just good MLS players. They're going to need career years out of those guys like Ola Kamara. I think they're a solid playoff team, but depth could be an issue if they have to deal with injuries. But, yes, this is a playoff team for me. All right, Bone, the reigning Eastern Conference representative in MLS Cup from last year, another team north of the border in Toronto. What are you getting from Toronto this season? Well, there's two ways to look at TFC. They One of them is the reigning MLS Cup representative from the Eastern Conference. They added a DP-level winger who could make them even more lethal in the attacking third. That's one way to look at them. The other way is to say – you've got to be worried about injuries. Michael Bradley had his ankle situation kind of completely mishandled by TFC. He's now going to be out till May or June, so that's a problem. Now, he hasn't been as good as he was a few years ago, but still a player they count on quite a bit. Josie Outdoor has been banged up all throughout his career. I think all the time he's played in Toronto, he has had two seasons where he's played more than 25 games out of 34, so that's not exactly encouraging that he's going to be healthy for you the entire run. They're not getting any younger, and then what did they do? They went out and added Pablo Piatti, an Argentine playmaker who has tons of experience in La Liga, but is coming off an ACL injury. He played in like seven games last year after coming back from that, and now he's got a hamstring issue. So hamstring issues never linger. No, <laughs> So never. You've got a bunch of guys who are either prone to getting ouchy or are just legitimately ouchy already, or both in your DP. So Alejandro Pozuelo, for me, is going to be a key for them because he has been legitimately good. Great find by them last year. So if he can get to, if he can get it going, they can actually still be one of the best teams in the East. But I think there's a big drop off for them if he is not great, and even if he is, if he gets no one else to help. Um, the dream scenario for Toronto is that they're fine without their stars, and they just find yet another way to get back into MLS Cup contention, and that is certainly possible. But the reality for me is again, I think. This is a team that I I doubt. I mean, I do think they're going to have legitimate issues with injuries, with aging players, and I do think they're going to be a team that has a struggle to make it to the playoffs. There is negative bone right there about you got Toronto. It. There it is. The Philadelphia Union bone. A lot of people like them and possibly making the playoffs this season. Philly, what are they bringing? Yeah, so last year was their best season in club history. Uh, they are, of course, not the oldest club in MLS, but still that was a really good year for them. 55 points, third in the East. They did lose some of the guys who they were counting on last year because there are players who are now there. Like we talked, Austin Trusty is a guy that has left to go to Colorado. They they moved him to get more money. That's the business of MLS, but that is going to affect you on the field. Um, Harris Mundjanin, he's also a guy that has left, and that's a player for them that's been really good in the defensive midfield. So a guy to watch for them is Matej Oravec. Or Aravich, I'm My sorry, guy. I'm maybe saying it wrong. Either way, signed as a replacement for Mindunjanin. So if he can come in and be that player that they needed, that that they had last year, 
if he can be a good replacement, then I think they are going to be better uh, than they initially hope. A lot of Philly fans are probably thinking, couldn't we now go compete for MLS Cup? We were in the playoffs. We were pretty good. Maybe that's the dream scenario, and I don't think it's totally unrealistic to say that's a possibility. A lot of the same pieces are there, but I think their reality is more just solid playoff team that's going to have to figure that out. And maybe maybe they make an addition that puts them over the top for me in that regard. Once you get to the playoffs, maybe they're one of the hottest teams in the league. Certainly I could see that. I think the re- realistic situation is they're a good playoff team. And so what does that mean in MLS? Sure. Good playoff teams make it to MLS Cup all the time. Doesn't doesn't mean it's like you're a favorite for it. It yeah. just means I think it's very possible. So I don't have a ton to say on Philadelphia because they're just they're pretty solid and they brought a lot of guys back. A team that came into MLS with a bang a few years ago, Atlanta United Bone. We knew that they lose lose Darlington Nagby here to Columbus. We know that their mm. fans aren't that happy about that. So Atlanta, how do you think they're shaping up this well, year? Well, and they also lose, like we talked about, Julian Gressel to yes. DC United. They also lost Leandro Gonzalez Perez. So that's another guy, LGP, that they are a big fan of there. All those guys are gone. And suddenly you look at, you know, Miguel Almiron has gone out the door a couple mm-hmm. years ago. Like part of what made this team that MLS Cup winner, a lot of those pieces now are are moving on. Joseph Martinez is still there. They brought in Pete Martinez last year. Um, you know, that's from River Plate. That's a dynamic, legendary type player who is – not exactly had the best season for them last year, but I think he was still trying to find his footing. They've certainly got the pieces. It's it's the fact that a lot of what made them so good is now gone, right? Darlington Nagby, I think, is going to be a big loss for them. However, it's important to keep in mind the guys who built Atlanta are still there, Yeah, right? Or at least in the sense that Frank DeBoer didn't build Atlanta. He just came in last year and actually did pretty good after the initial bad start. They were still very competitive, and you could argue should have been an MLS Cup. They feel like they should have. So they've got all the front office people still, for the most part, building this team. So they should be able to find the replacements, right, for these guys? I mean, you would think. It's just going to be a question of what they've actually brought in. I don't see it on paper being better than what they've been the last few years. The guy to watch for me is Ezekiel Barco, mm-hmm. who is they're one of their $15 million players. Who was, they brought him in at 18. Now he's 20, and he's not really gotten to the level I think they all had hoped. But there is a wide open blank slate for him yeah. to go take advantage of, you know, some of the other absences in this lineup. The potential is untapped with him. It is. And if he finds it, then watch out. They could be just as good as they've always been. But I'm going to say this is a step back year for Atlanta. I actually think the the realistic scenario is it is unlikely to expect them to compete at the level they have the last few years. I think this is going to be probably the worst season Atlanta in, in what, four years yeah. or whatever they've been around. This is going to be their worst season they've had on record. Does that mean they don't make the playoffs? It means it's going to be their worst season on record. Stay tuned for more. New York City FC, a team that I actually just watched their game in the CONCACAF Champions League the other night. So what are they bringing, Bone? Uh, They, of course, are bringing back almost everyone from a team that was the top team in the Eastern Conference last year, record rise. So uh, they do have a new coach. Ronnie D'Elia is the new head coach taking over for Dami Torrent. So that's a good, I mean, not good. That is a TBD on whether or not that coach is going to get it done. He is from Celtic, so at least that's where he used to manage. So it's not as if he's not seen the bright lights before. They are going to have, obviously, like you said, this CONCACAF Champions League that they have to deal with. Maxi Morales is the guy that makes everything work for them. He is one of the best players in MLS. He was MLS assist king last year. He had 20 assists, 
So can he do that again? I would say probably so. Another guy that was pretty good, Bear for them. Uh, Bear is a Brazilian who had 15 goals and 22 appearances for NYCFC, yeah. if you didn't watch him. Uh, good. Talented. This team is loaded, and they've got all the guys you want. Player to watch for me, though, is Goodmandor Thorinensen. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to make sure I say Goodmandor that right. Goodmandor There you go. Icelandic international left back that they've brought in to help defensively. Ben Sweat, who was their left back, he leaves. He's now with Inter-Miami, so they bring this guy in. How does he handle? I think that's a player to watch to keep an eye on and see if they can keep up their defensive shape and do the things that they want to do. Um, also, Gideon Zelalem. Do you remember him? He was the Arsenal product. He's a like U.S. fringe U.S. national teamer that everyone was like, oh, man, this kid, he's in the Arsenal Academy. He's going to be great. Never really panned out, but now he's within NYCFC's too, so we'll see what he can do. Dream scenario, MLS Cup, reality. MLS Cup. Right about. I mean, they're, they should be considered one of the teams to watch for an MLS Cup, and I certainly don't think that is – inappropriate to put that expectation on them welcome to the hell is real portion of the podcast that's right we'll travel down to cincinnati bone right down i-71 fc cincinnati one of the worst teams in mls yes history last year when it comes to goal differential is it better this year for fc cincinnati um short answer is yes it is better but and i don't want to I don't want to hammer this for FC Cincinnati fans, but I found this stat to be staggering. I know they don't need the reminder, but let's just put this in perspective. Their goal differential last year, Beamer, was negative 44. That is very bad. That's not how many goals they gave up. That's the difference between the goals they gave up and the goals they scored. To give you an example with their hell is real rivals, the crew, who lost 13 to 15 games last year and had what many people said was a very disappointing season. The crew's goal differential was negative eight. Wow. Vancouver, we talked about in the Western Conference. My guys, Vancouver. Yes, you love the The Whitecaps. Mm -hmm. They're beautiful uniforms. They're second last year in goal differential as far as bad goal differential. It was half of that. It was negative 22. Which is still bad. That's still awful. That's how – what I'm saying is – and I'm not – FC Cincinnati fans, I want to take this moment. I have I have hated on you for a long time as a crew fan. I have said my piece about hell is real and FC Cincinnati, and there will be time for all that hate to come back when these two teams play. But let me tell you something right now. You as fans have every right to be outraged at the people who run your team. And a guy, not a guy like Jeff Birding, who has been the team president and was the GM up until last year when it became apparent he had no clue what he was doing when they hired Gerard Nijkamp. Jeff Burning could arguably be fired for just the way he oversaw this team. Why in the hell did they think bringing a USL team to MLS was going to work out? Why did they even have any concept of that not being terrible? They've gone through, I don't know how many coaches. You obviously have the Ron Yan situation, which we haven't even talked about. Yeah. So that that's bad, right? And by the way, Gerard Nijkamp, when he got there, what was their big coaching search they did when they needed a new coach? Did he go out and do this extensive thing? No. Or... Did he hire a guy that he used to work with in Ron Yon's? He just, he came from a club. He said, oh, this guy coached there too. I like him. Let's have him come over. That's your big coaching search you did. And now look where that's landed you. In a situation where a week or two before the season, you have to have your coach step aside. But here's the good news for FC Cincinnati. I do like some of the moves they've made. They brought in Jurgen Lakaja. We'll talk about him more in a second. Yeah. Yuya Kubo, Yuya Kubo as well. And CM DeJong. These are all three guys that... I think will be much improved over what they have had. Um, but the scary part for FC Cincinnati is this. Lakaja is on a loan. So if it goes bad the first month or two, there's a chance he could just decide, I don't want to 
pursue getting back here. I don't necessarily want to stay with this team. Um, but all that aside, if he does stay and if he plays up to capability, I think Jurgen Lakaja could be one of the best players in MLS. So he had a nice run with the with PSV in the yeah. Eredivisie. Made his move to England, didn't put up the numbers that you would associate with $20 million for his price tag. But 14 months ago, this guy was scoring goals on Arsenal on NBC Sports Network. Yeah. That's who's coming to FC Cincinnati. You should be happy about that. That should be a good thing. And it sucks that your stupid front office has hired stupid head coaches who unfortunately don't know how to get their act together enough to not have more racial incidents that have been described about them than actual wins they had for FC Cincinnati. But on the field, if this team can hang together, Lakaja is a – here's the guys they had playing striker for you last year. Kakutamane, Fernando Adi, Darren Maddox. This dude is better. Jurgen Lakaja is way better than anybody they've had. Yeah. So maybe the team can gel. The dream scenario, I guess, would be FC Cincinnati gets together over this. They find some camaraderie. They say everyone doubts us. Everyone's hating on us. Let's go prove them wrong. And they make the playoffs. I think the reality is they take a huge step forward. They are not going to be the worst team in MLS this year, I do not think. And I do think that their additions will actually make them way more competitive. But I still think they missed the playoffs because it's just – I don't see how you can go from being possibly the worst team in the history of MLS – in one season, to then being a playoff team. It's it's a big lift, but good for them for getting a good start on it. All right, Bone, last team in the Eastern Conference of MLS, your Columbus crew. A lot to be excited about this year, I think, for Columbus. You look at the additions of Darlington Nagby, Vito Warmhor, and, of course, you have Lucas Zellerayan coming over, a couple of additional guys as well. Of course, we know that Caleb didn't get a chance to – get his system in with his guys last year. So it could be a big jump for it the crew this season. It could be. And and here's the thing I would add, because all of these different preview sites, MLS does their own previews for every team. They all list like, okay, who's going in, who's coming out of this team? Like who's left, who's being brought in to replace them? So here are the guys that are out for the crew this year that, that went out. Will Trapp, who we talked about, yep. right? Well, did they have a replacement for him? Oh, yeah, they did. They got Darlington Nagby, who yeah. arguably is a better player than Will Trapp. Now, different player, sure. different type of player as well. It's fair. But more accomplished player, you could certainly argue in his time in the league. Um, Federico Higuain, out. Did they get someone to replace him? Oh, yeah. Federico Higuain, when he came into the league, was a guy in his late 20s or maybe barely early 30s. I want to say late 20s, who played most of his career in Argentina. Yeah. And that's a good league. The guy that's replacing him is a younger guy who played in a better league, Liga MX, who also played on a team that won championships in that league more often than not. Lucas Zellerion is that player, and they spent a ton of money on him. Is that an improvement? Time will tell, right? We won't know for sure. Federico Aguin has been great in a crew uniform, but the potential is there for the replacement to be better than the guy that left. The third guy they list as being a, well, this is their other out that they have. Mm, this is no good, is David Guzman, who every crew fan is saying is subtra- addition by subtraction. Like, getting rid of him is better. Sure. So they're good. And then, of course, they've brought in Vito Warmhorn, the center back position, so he's going to be good. I, I have a lot of faith in him. Um, I don't know, man. This this team, I'm too... I'm too biased looking at it for me. This looks like <laughs> this looks like a top three team to me in MLS, but I realized I want that to also be the case for this team. I think the even the most 
rational person who is looking at this purely by the numbers and purely by what they've done. They have a two deep at every position. They have got guys that are coming back from injury. They have got just just so many talented players. Milton Valenzuela, we haven't even talked about yeah. left back, who is going to be one of the best backs in the league and may not be long for MLS if he keeps playing the way I think he's capable of. They are they are certainly, I think, the most rational person looking at this team could say, if they're not in the playoffs, that's on Caleb Porter. That's a failure. It's a failure of a season yeah. if they don't make the playoffs. Yeah, unless there's like significant injuries, which can always happen, and you just don't want to believe any of that's going to. But it's hard for me to see this team outside of the playoffs. So that's where I have them. Is I'm excited. Hardcore I'm excited. playoff team. Yeah. I'm excited about the crew season, and we came into it last year kind of understanding and expecting that you know this is Porter's system that he's bringing in here and Tim Bezbachenko and all these guys are you know they didn't really have that much time bone to assemble their team before last year now you get an entire off season of doing that you get a transfer window they've added different guys they've made moves and it is it's it's exciting to know that you know you have a one new ownership in place which is fantastic that the team is actually staying in Columbus long term and you got the plans for the new stadium right downtown which will be amazing but now you actually have the the feeling that on the field it's going to be something special and i cannot wait to watch Lucas Zellerion in, in a crew uniform i will say my if i have to cuz as a fan i think fans are the best at being able to pick apart their team even better than the national guys sure the thing I look at with Lucas Zellerion is I could totally see it taking him two months to get going. I could see it being a scenario where the first couple months, there's a lot of mispasses, a lot of people questioning, is this guy going to be like Pedro Santos 2.0 when sure. he first got to the league? I don't think that's going to last. I think he's actually going to progress pretty quickly. I, but I'm just saying, if you watch the first few games and go, man, that guy didn't really do anything. I'm not sure what's there. The skill level is there. I guarantee you the skill level is there. But getting everyone on the same page... It's a tough league to get acclimated to. Defense in MLS is a, just a different animal than it is in most comparable leagues with similar payrolls around the yeah. world. And I think even in leagues that have better payrolls, most of that payroll goes to offense. In MLS, because of the structure of it, there are guys who just flat out are going to be better defenders than what you're expecting in other leagues where they pay $20 million for a striker and then hire some kid from down the road yeah. to play center back. Like, it's just, I think it's a little bit different here. And so I think it might take him a little bit to get acclimated. Darlington Nagby, for me, is the key to this team. I think he's the guy that completely keeps this team going and pumping in chances and winning balls back and keeping the ball high up the field in the crew formation, which will give Zellerion more time on the ball, more chances, more opportunities to find guys. God, I could talk about every guy on this team for 20 minutes, so I will stop. But, yes, crew, good. I will say that, too, even with your worries about Lucas Zellerion and maybe having him – some time to being acclimated to the city and MLS and this team and the way that Porter likes to run his system is that you have guys that you don't necessarily need him to be at his best for yes. the first couple months of the yes. season. You got other guys, right? Like, would you love him day one to step into the Columbus crew and be a monster, right? Like sure. man of the match every single time. It'd yeah, great. sure. But the reality of the situation is that you don't necessarily need that in the first couple months. No. And so you got the guys. And if you're compare, and I know I compared him to Iguain, but I will add this too. I think it's probably unfair of me to do that because he's not going to necessarily be quite the same player as Iguain. I think his work rate coming back on defense is going to be a little different than what Iguain did. The craftiness that Iguain has. The difference for me is these two guys, Lucas Zellerion needs about 18 inches to get his shot off. And it's a shot that is class enough. Yes. 
it's going to beat a lot of goalkeepers in MLS when he gets it and he hits a right. So I'm saying that's the level you have when you're in a playoff game and it's tough and nothing's going your way and they've game planned for you. The thing you can't game plan for is one dude making one spectacular play and being perhaps the most talented player on the field in that moment. Sure. That's what Atlanta has with Joseph Martinez. They just have a guy who can just figure it out and find a goal. Right. That's what Lucas Zellerion could be for this team, not to the prodigious level maybe of Joseph Martinez, but you don't need that if you get him to get the goals in the right moment. So perhaps picking his spots and progressing as the season goes along, I love it if he's at full force by the time September rolls around. That'd be great. It would. All right. I know I did this yesterday or on our Western Conference preview yes. if you're not listening Whatever. to it the day in after. Sequence, yeah. Whatever. I picked Vancouver and Minnesota to be my Western Conference Little matchup. All right. I don't remember who I picked, but I'm going to pick Vancouver. Even if I said Minnesota, <laughs> I lied yesterday. You know, you did. You picked Minnesota. Right. Did I? Or yeah, did I pick Vancouver? You no, you Vancouver. Oh, you picked them both. I know, but who who did I pick to go to the oh, I have no MLS idea. Cup? All right, I'm going to pick Vancouver. Sure. All right. It will be an Eastern Conference final between New York City FC and the Columbus Crew, Ooh. and you will have a New York City FC Vancouver final. I like I would the Vancouver part of that put that money on in Vegas if you can do get it, it that'd be amazing. But all put your life savings down. Um, Everything you got. So my playoff teams are NYCFC, DC United, New England, Columbus, Atlanta, Philly, and number seven Inter Miami all right. enters the playoffs. That's not the word Inter. I used it differently. Whatever. Uh, so DC and Inter Miami. I'm going to go with DC winning that battle. New England and Philly. I'll have the Revs getting out of that one. Columbus and Atlanta in a rematch of a playoff matchup from a couple years ago. Boy, how fun was that Adam game John, down at the Georgia shush, Dome? Shushing the crowd. This would be a Columbus hosting, though. Yeah. I have Columbus 4 and Atlanta 5, and I have Columbus winning that game. All-time Zach Steffen game a oh. few years ago. Yes, it was. <laughs> that was amazing. By the way, we didn't even talk about Aloy Room. Aloy Room might be the goal, best goalkeeper in the league. Yeah. Anyway, back. Okay. Um, now, NYCFC and Columbus. I actually have NYCFC winning. Actually, I'm going to change my pick. I'm going to go with the crew then. All right. Well, thank Great. Crew in Vancouver. feel like an idiot. Uh, D.C. and New England. I have D.C. winning that. And I have D.C. going to MLS Cup to take on the L.A. Galaxy. So I'd like to point something out to you. This is just me looking at the numbers. But how poetic would it be if from two coasts you have D.C. and Los Angeles, the Galaxy Los Angeles, not LAFC, two of the first original teams in MLS in year 25, they meet up in MLS Cup. I think that if, if the crew can't go, my personal team... I think that'd be the matchup I would pick. I think that'd be a lot of fun. I like how that would look on paper, so maybe that's what we'll get. Charter member. I'd like for the crew to get there. Yeah. By the way, the Galaxy are going to win if that happens. Galaxy win, and uh, that means, well, really, Guillermo wins, and that makes me happy. Exactly. Your I love guy. Guillermo you, you do love him more than um, anyone else. Fun team to watch, though. I'll tell you this. ESPN Plus them, if you don't live in the areas where you can't ESPN Plus them, FC Cincinnati I think it's going to be interesting. With Lakaja. Not, not a playoff team, but I think interesting. So there you go. Anything else from you? No. Good. Then I've we... got nothing else. How did I? I feel like I did a better job today. You did than a yesterday. lot. Yes, you did. That's fine. That's okay. I threw a lot at you here. Hey, I will say, though, even though this is our Eastern Conference preview, on the day that we're recording this, we got some Champions League action. We so. do. So Thursday. So Thursday. <laughs> another podcast. Another podcast. God, it's going to be a podcast every day this week almost. That's fine. All right, that's it for us. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Bone and Beam United. You've been listening to Bone and Beam United. 